What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am so excited about today's guest. I have tried to get this guy on for almost two years now. He is so busy in such high demand. Uh, If you don't know him, you are in for a treat. Fred LaFranc, the CEO and chaos strategist of Results Through Strategy, former CEO of Engelman's Bakery, a large Burger King group, Ruby's Diner. He has or has held board member positions at Mr. Green's Protos, uh, Revelry Agency, Five Star Food Service, Healthy Dining, Fishbowl, and others. I am so grateful that you took some time to come on the podcast, Fred. Oh, I'm happy to be here, and I, I will applaud your persistence. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There, I know I had to, I had to corner him in a bar. I saw him at a, I was walking by at a conference. I saw him in a bar, and I ran over. I'm like, Fred, how are you? Let's get a podcast on the calendar. Anyway, um, well, Fred, tell me a little bit about results through strategy. Well, results through strategy was uh, I founded it with several partners of mine in 2007. Uh, because I felt there was a need in the industry for a consultancy that was not just an unemployed executive trolling for a job. Uh, <laughs> and it could actually provide full-scale services. And having been a CEO of half a dozen restaurant companies, I had the view of a CEO. And so instead of saying, oh, I can solve all your problems from a marketing standpoint, or culinary, or finance, or supply chain, we would put together a team that would go into an organization and help them adjust these, whatever areas they needed and only provided the service they wanted. When I was a CEO, I hated consultants. And I never forgot that. And I didn't want to be one of those guys that's just pushing stuff that someone didn't really need just because you wanted the money. And it's worked out well. We've had, we've had a really good run. Well, and the other thing about consultants is I, I know from being a consultant myself, I worked at a large consulting firm. You spend a third of your time working, a third of your time uh, strategizing on how to communicate what you worked on, and then a third of the time building a presentation and presenting the things that you strategized on that you worked on. like. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you got to get some sleep in between. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I, I know that one of my rules is if I ever hire consultants, no PowerPoint presentations, just write out what you did. Tell me what it is. Right. Um, now, this concept of chaos, I think it's really interesting that on your on your LinkedIn bio, you refer to yourself as a chaos strategist. Tell me tell me about that. What, why Why the emphasis on chaos? Um, I worked with someone years ago that I met at a conscious capitalism conference, and she's a performance strategist. That was her title. And uh, she she talks about your zone of genius and finding the thing that you are uniquely qualified to do that no one else can do. And there's zone of excellence, which is very good, pays you well, and you can make a lot of money at it, but it doesn't quite reach the apex of what you are able to contribute. And so I hired her. To work with me, and it was a fascinating process. And one of the, and she's and you know you meet people and says tell me your story. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right, right. And, and I started to say, well, you know, I kind of went to the quick short. But she goes, no, no, no. Start at the beginning. Tell me your story. My parents conceived when I was. <laughs> oh, it was it was like that. And so and it was she and at one point she stopped and said, you know what, Fred, in your story, you've been faced with a lot of adversity, 
And you've always somehow not just managed to survive, but you've managed also thrive as a result of it. And that skill is your secret power. And, Interesting. And so, and, and it, so as the conversation continued, one, one, and I've taken a lot of assessments, many people do, and StrengthsFinder is a great assessment. And there was a- Love it. And I got you know five strengths. And one of them is sort of, they, they call it strategic, but it's really pattern recognition. And I always joke that if I can walk into a room full of, and I'll be crude, room full of shit, I can go in there, find the pony and ride it out. You know, you know? <laughs> and, and so I can sort of, when things get really crazy, my wife always tells me this, I get very calm when things get really crazy. And so I mean, so when I work in consulting, you know, we, know, we, not a, we help emerging brands that are trying to get a, a path for growth. We work with legacy brands that are in trouble. And when you walk into a legacy brand that's in trouble, there's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, and that's okay. That doesn't bother me. And so that's how it all came about. She finally said, you are a chaos strategist. You, you, you bring order to disorder. And I remember it was kind of weird. You know, it's like putting on a set of clothes you never think you'd ever wear. And I remember putting it in my title and sending it out um, because it always said, you know, CEO and president. She goes, there's lots of CEO and presidents, but there's only one chaos strategist. Yeah. So it came about. Yeah, Fred, that's like, that's like, you know, what I imagine the first time when you put on your pleather pants and you look in the mirror and you're like, there you go. I wasn't sure about these, but man, they look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she, that's good. So, so that's, that's so interesting because it really does. I mean, one, it stands out. And two, it, it's like when you're in those moments, who do you think of? Right. And you think of Fred LaFranc. And so I'd love to hear maybe a story or two around what's a, what's an example of some, some chaos that you've faced um, and, and how you overcame it and feel free to obviously uh, keep, keep names and specifics out of it, but just, just want to like get our listeners in in a mindset. Well, we had, we've had quite a few good ones. I mean, we had uh, a chain that was national, um, I think about 700 locations. Declining sales for many, many years. Uh, this, the, the store model was old. Uh, and when I say the model, the business model was old. And it, it needed a refurbishment. And so one of the things that we do when we go into older brands is we always say there was a point when this thing was created where it resonated with guests. Uh, and it grew. You don't get to that scale uh, without having some resonance with guests. And this, this company happened to have grown to like 1,500 locations and dwindled down. And so we say, what's the taproot? What's the taproot of this brand? And let's go to that. And who do they serve in, at that point in time? This one was in the 80s. And why did it work? And it, when it, it came out, it was brilliant. You know, it was public at one point, so forth and so on. And so we, we said, now, if we were to interpret this for a contemporary audience, what would it look like? Because what would fulfill, and how old are you, Zach? 37. Okay, so 37. So fast forward 30 years, you're going to be 67. Okay. Mm. If you go to a restaurant brand and it follows you, they have a basically an aging customer base. Yeah. But if you want to remain relevant to a 37 year old, you have to ask yourself the 37 year old at this point in time is different than the 37 year old 30 years ago or 30 years from now. Yeah. And so we go through that query and then we reimagined it in a very contemporary way and they were blown away. They, when they, they were absolutely blown away by how we reimagined it. We, we changed, we did a lot of lipstick remodel for, you know, 10 grand, paint the walls, put different kind of pictures up. But it was their service model that we changed, which is very similar to Chipotle's, but they didn't recognize it in the same manner. And, and we shared that with them. And it worked very, very well. Sales went up dramatically. 
Um, God, they had like three years of stupendous sales growth. We trained like 8,000 employees across the country. We had 83 team meetings in hotel rooms to retrain all the employees and to ask them for their help. In my experience, if you want to turn around a brand, you need to enable the employees to turn around, have it turn around for you. They do it for you. Management just got to get yeah. out of the way and create the condition by which the employees can show what they're willing to do. And I and I told this, said, how would you rather, would you rather have 8,000 people trying to help you or only 10 people trying to help you? It's a numbers game. And uh, and we've done that several times very successfully. And that's an example of the kind of things that we do. And, and it, you take people from a point of fear and and depression to one of hope and aspiration. And I love that part. Um, and it because it's the culture is the secret weapon in the restaurant business, or actually in any business. Culture is the secret weapon. And if you can understand that, and I, I make a joke about culture, my metaphor is that culture is like we're all standing in a giant swimming pool. And it's everyone's responsibility to keep the water clean. So there is no peeing section in a swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> it everywhere, right? And, and that's a very powerful metaphor, but it's true. And once people begin to understand that they all have a, a certain sense of responsibility, it's like being a citizen in the country. As a citizen, we have a responsibility to our country. You know, yeah. we all do. And hopefully everyone thinks that, right? But as an employee of a brand, you have a responsibility to that company. It's employing you. Um, and so, and, but it's hard to help people understand the importance of then engaging uh, that, that employee to really understand what it's all about. And that's what I, I really enjoy doing when I work with brands. That's how we, those are the kind of things we do that are chaotic. We find a pattern of behavior. We identify resonance with the, with the guests and we come up with a guest journey. And then we also do an employee journey. Okay, so that they understand the connection. I mean, a good example is Chick-fil-A. They do an amazing job. Yes. $8 million AUV in six days. How do they do that? Because they get it. They understand that they're there to service that guest. But more importantly, the employees are the ones that have to execute that. And they have to feel good about doing that, have pride in being of service. And that servant model is what works. Absolutely. Because you know who has the least amount of order accuracy issues out of any restaurant, any fast food restaurant? Chick-fil-A, right? You and and not by like one or two percent, by like 10%. I'm right? And it's not that their menu is yes, they have a fairly simple menu, right? But at the end of the day, it's that they they really care about the guest and they just ingrain that. I mean, I was talking to someone from the South and they said, uh, you know, they said that they want their kids to do two things go to church on Sunday and work in Chick-fil-A the other six days. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's a great aspiration. I, I lived, I grew up, my children grew up in California when I was living there and there it was in and out. Okay. Yes. That's, that's the Chick-fil-A of the West, right? You know, mono concept, you know, burgers, chicken, uh, values-based and in, in, in both examples are Christian values-based. Yeah. And uh, it was a great place to work. It was a, it, it taught my children service, you know, and, and for, you know, you look at a teenager and the, the first starting job at, a, at a In-N-Out is peeling potatoes and cleaning the dining room. And to have, see my son do that with joy and pride, peeling potatoes and taking out the trash was like, wow, there's something going on here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. So what would you recommend? Let's say, you know, we're, we're sitting down, you, me, and a restaurant owner let's say they've got somewhere between five to 50 restaurants. Sales are kind of flat. They're not sure what to do. They're kind of like a little, uh, a little depressed. What do you, what would you recommend? What would be like, here are the first rocks that you should uncover to, to look for issues and look for, you know, to understand the issues and look for solutions. Yeah. 
I'll give you a real Reader's Digest version for those who even know what that means. Okay, very condensed. <laughs> no, no Reader's Digest. Yeah, it's it's the it's the bathroom magazine. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, my parents used to have it in the bathroom. There, yeah, parents, that's my point. Is I'm, I'm aging myself. So we look at what they claim that they represent, you know, I, I eat through their website or their advertising, whatever the case may be. And then we look at the guest experience inside the restaurant, the four walls and see, are they delivering that? And if they're in trouble, the answer is usually no. Okay. And mm-hmm. it's not about being cynical about it. It's just they, they're missing it and they don't know why. Because uh, you can't see it. It's like boiling a frog. You're in that environment. You just don't see yeah. it. You don't see, you don't see the dirt on the walls. You don't see the, the dirty floors or, the, or the, the, the restrooms that aren't working properly or whatever, the, the bad lighting or whatever the case may be. And so we explore that guest journey and we map it for them. And uh, actually, the, the service you provide would be a, a valuable service because we go on you know, Yelp and Open Table, stuff like that. And we take 100% positive comments of their guest journey as people comment throughout the whole experience. It's not one journey. It's like 12. And we make it all wonderful. Then we take all the bad ones that we can find and we make them all the bad ones and say, this is the extreme of the best of you and the worst of you. Okay. And the reality is the experiences are all mixed. Because the beautiful thing about nowadays is that you can find out what guests think about you for free. You just go online. They tell you. And a service like yours will tell you even more detail. And you can sort of use that as a metric to go, okay, now here's what it is. Now, let's imagine if we could make an intentional conscious guest journey, what it would look like. And of course, in today's world, it has to be tech enabled, right? Because we've we've moved to thing fast casual QSR, we've moved the, 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 the service issues now in the hands of the consumer. We have the on-demand customer who wants it, how they want it, when they want it, where they want it. And so now I'm the cashier, okay? And everyone has to do that because if you're paying in California 22 bucks an hour for a cashier, it makes no sense to pay someone to do that. Get a kiosk. Yeah. Customers, customers have more control or put it on my phone. And then you and you go to that guest journey. And if you follow the Amazon model of frictionless, take out the friction from doing business with you. Take out the, the difficulty in, in actually engaging with you. You can come up with a much better imagined guest journey. Once you do that, then we go down to the employees, back to the employee journey and say, what do they need to do to deliver with intention? Kind of like Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out hamburger. And we do a first person voice of the of the guest talking about their experience, what they felt when they were going through this. Brene Brown said something at a conference that years ago that says, we think we're rational beings with occasional emotion. We're actually emotional beings with occasional rationality. <laughs> and if you think like about that. that and you realize that the guest journey is about a guest experience. What's an experience? Okay. What I call an experience is an activity fused with emotion. An Say that one again. An activity fused with emotion the is an experience. And that's what creates memories. Okay. Your earliest memory, I guarantee you, was something you were doing that was either good or bad that created an emotion. Uh, a, cl- a clown with a bunch of balloons was joyful and thrilling. Or you tumbled down the stairs as a toddler. Scary, terrifying. It was an activity fused with emotion, creates a memory. And so if restaurants want to create a memorable experience, then they need to focus on the emotional outcome that the guest has. So when people go to Chick-fil-A, what do they say? I love Chick-fil-A. They don't say I frequent Chick-fil-A. They say I love Chick-fil-A. Okay. It's the emotion that you're trying to do. And so once you understand that, we'll look at activating the senses. The five senses is how we experience the world. We'll activate the five senses for them and say, this is what they have right now. And if you blew it up, this is what it could be. And that becomes very, very powerful. And I, I, I love that ability to just take, here's, here's where we're at. And one of the biggest issues that I've seen is 
not just with restaurants, but with businesses in general, with humans in general, we are so afraid to look at the mirror with the lights bright. Agreed. It's it's so hard to be like, yeah, I've I've gained some weight. It's like, yeah, I have more wrinkles. And we don't want to see that. But the facts are the facts. Right. And and it's okay that somebody had a great experience. And the next day, at the same exact point, somebody had a horrible experience. That doesn't mean that one customer was right and one customer sucks. And it doesn't mean that you were horrible. It just means that there was a mistake that happened or there was something exceptionally well that happened. So how do we fix the mistakes? How do we get those exceptionally well things to be more repeatable and easier and less frictionless for your staff right. and, exactly. and or tech enabled? And those are all things that are uh, create a very clear roadmap to getting out of the chaos, to getting out of the slump. Yeah. Back to that word chaos. Yeah. I love that. We're we're living through such a dynamic world right now. I think it's the most exciting time to be alive because it is chaotic. You know, chaos chaos basically says that the order is, has shifted or crumbled and it's not being reimagined. It's almost like the caterpillar to the butterfly, right? Yeah. And in the cocoon, there's this DNA soup that has to be reformed and transformed. Right. And that's where we have an opportunity to do that now in the industry. And there's some people are doing some amazing things especially your generation, because you were born with technology. My generation didn't have it, all right? We, we created it, and, we, and we're pioneers, but you're a native. So your yeah. understanding of, of technology is very, very different. It's like you couldn't imagine a world without it because you never had one. I right. have. I can, I can tell you what it was like, okay? So when I was a kid, if uh, to use a remote control to change the four channels on a black and white TV, I was the remote control. Yeah. You know, I had to get up and change it for my mom, you know? And so that's, that world's very different now, okay? And so if you understand that, and then this, the digitization of this industry that had occurred mostly through COVID, was what really transformed it, uh, has made it much more accelerated and much more impactful. And so the guest experience has changed dramatically, yet the, the heart of what it's meant to be is I walk out of a restaurant feeling nourished, feeling respected, feeling dignified and valued, and that gives me brand affinity and brand loyalty. I want to come back to a place that treats me well, the old cheer song where everyone knows your name. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that so that wasn't that won't change. How we deliver it will change, but what we need to deliver doesn't change. Yeah, the same. I was I'm, I'm reading through uh, Atomic Habits again, and the same oh. carnal human historic desires, these anciently rooted desires that we have, are still the same desires we have today. It's exactly. just a matter of how do we fulfill it. Yeah. And one of the things I like to remind people is that. Uh, we are not in this industry. We're not serving guests. We're not serving customers. We're serving humans who happen to be eating our food, who happen to be drinking our drinks. And the the most universal human desire is the desire to feel important. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we boil it down to that and we layer on food and service on top of that, things become a little bit easier, right? Now oh. I I know that we're I know that we're short on time here. We have so much that we could talk about on another podcast. Um, but Fred, who is someone that you think deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry? Um, well, there's many. Um, I had the good fortune last week at the Black Bias Intelligence Conference to interview three incredible human beings. Chad Hauser, the founder of Cafe Ovation, where he employs uh, disenfranchised youth that have gone through ju- juvie and uh, no one would hire but him. Uh, he's given him dignity and respect in the job. I had Rob Wilder, who's uh, Jose Andres' partner, 
at Jose Andres restaurants, formerly known as Think Food Group. And of course, Jose Andres with World Central Kitchen, where they feed people all over the world when there's crises. And then Scott Lawton, who is the CEO of uh, Bar Taco. Um, and it was an incredible conversation. And, and I was very excited also about Scott Lawton because he's a good example of how technology can help restaurants. He's doing more volume with 30% less staff as a result of his use of technology. And that conversation with those three people was magical. So those three would be my shout out. Wow, that's amazing. And how do people find and follow you, Fred? Uh, well, I results to strategy.com. Uh, my email address is Fred at. And then, of course, I have a Twitter and LinkedIn, and that's how you can find me. Awesome. Well, Fred, for being that color pop in all of our lives, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you for joining us on Given Ovation, Fred. Thank you. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.